0: We're all about turning a crappy situation into something positive. Quarter million dollars of credit card debt. I still remember the day when no one turned up. up. Throw it in the garbage and start from something. I could give myself a chance. So I started something. I mean, I think that counts as From Poop to Gold.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back to From Poop to Gold. I'm your co host, Benton Crane. And today I'm here with Jeremy Vest. Welcome to the show, Jeremy.
0: Hey, thanks for having me. I actually really like this podcast. It's pretty great.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So Jeremy is the co-founder of Video Marketing World, Mm -hmm. and he's the director of marketing at VidIQ. Yep. So Jeremy's been in the industry for a long time. He has had clients that um, jointly have had over, uh, what is it, 5 billion views? Yes. Uh, You're a very successful person, and from what we've seen, every successful person has had to go through their from poop to gold moment. Absolutely. And so we're going to we're going to dive in here and we're going to discover what that has been in your life. So why don't we start I I want you to give kind of a quick background that um that kind of paints a picture of how you ended up where you're at.
0: You're talking about professionally, personally, everything. Just
1: um, it, yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to think that our personal lives and our professional lives are so intertwined that it's hard to even draw a line between the two. Yeah. Um, so if, if you could identify one moment that you felt like really kind of impacted you in such a deep way that it set you on this journey yeah. that you've ended up where you're at today, what would that be?
0: I would say, so when I was 17 years old, my dad actually went to prison for life. And he was, you know, was a great guy, and, and it was just a, a big shock to the whole family. So we're just like, whoa, this is crazy. So that's heavy. Yeah, it's pretty deep for a 17 year old, you know, to, to deal with. So I'll never forget this until the day I die. The like district attorney that was working with my father said, you will be in prison within the next two or three years because, you know, of your dad.
1: He said that to you. Mm hmm. He pointed at you and said, you will be in
0: prison. He's like, statistically, you're, you know, the, you know, so I was, you know, and I have an older brother and we are like, I was like, I actually really resented him for many years. I'm like, how dare that? You know, I'm a super nice guy. But what I didn't realize, you resented your brother? No, I resented the the district attorney that said that to me. And I was like, how dare him say that to me? You know, I'm not a bad person, but what I didn't realize until probably like, 10 years later is he it was a challenge right so he was saying you know statistically People that are bad have bad kids, right? So it was a really amazing thing that he did to me. And what that did for me is that lit a fire of, I'm going to be successful. I'm going to take care of my family. I'm, you know, I'm going to make sure that. I'm not going
1: to be that statistic.
0: Exactly. I'm not going to be that statistic. And I think that was the moment that really just set me just, you know, going to school, like one and a half loads, you know, working two full-time jobs, just going for it
1: um I, I i know this is a this is a really personal thing, and so um um so i'm i'm gonna ask a question but if it's, it, it' if it's a little bit too personal you, you just tell me um so I have a brother who who faced life in prison um but um he went all the way through trial and he was found uh, not guilty in in his case and so he didn't end up um in, in that situation but as a brother going through that whole trial and that situation I would describe it as one of the most heart-wrenching and hard things yeah. that I've ever been through in my life um it was dark yeah. it was it was dark it was hard can you describe a little bit of the emotion around that you're a 17-year-old kid yeah and your dad goes through that what is that like like wh- what is the feeling going on behind the scenes there
0: I mean, I would say hopelessness, desperation, you know, having to, you know, me and my brothers had to be the man of the houses, you know, at, at that age and um, disbelief. But but more than anything, I think um, these moments, these darkest moments in our lives are, are really what sh- who shape us. So I think that most of us were born with, a stabilizer, you know, mm-hmm. so when you're going through horrible tragedies, I think the people that come out well just have some inner voice or something or they believe in something deeper than themselves. You know, they believe in something that just guides them when they're zombies, when they're, mm-hmm. you know, when they're emotionally gone, you know, from this universe. Um, there's just something internal that can guide you Personally, I I believe, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a Christian and I think at the time I wasn't, but I think I kind of still believe. But, you know, mm-hmm. I just didn't tell anyone that. Um, and I do believe that no matter what you do, especially in video marketing, if you believe in yourself and that is the center of your universe, I think you'll have a very hard life. <laughs> you know, so I think that, yes, it was really tough, but I feel like came out okay.
1: So, so for you, um, you were able to put your, put your faith, your trust, your belief in a higher power outside of yourself. And, and so take that, you know, that poop moment yeah, in, in your life and allow it to be a transferative moment that, that defined who you were going forward.
0: Absolutely. Like I remember I didn't even have a f- my first beer until I was 26 because I think I overcorrected for that moment in my life mm-hmm. you know and um it was just had to make a success story for myself before I'd let myself even go to a party or any you know anything like that it was it was focus and that moment was the reason
1: so that comment that the district attorney made to you, first off, that's a jerky comment to make. And I want to, yeah. I want to punch that guy <laughs> yeah. in the nose. Um, but it, it ended up being a big motiva- motivator for it you. Did. And it's clear that you've proven him wrong. Like you, you are you're a very successful person and you've driven a ton of success for, for the people around you. Um, so, so talk us through what life looks like now.
0: That's interesting what life looks like now. I would say um, everyone says that is successful always says this, and everyone that is underneath or above them is in disbelief. But no matter where you on life, life is going to get you, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I have two beautiful daughters, you know, really successful live here in, in Northern, uh, North Dallas, Texas. And it's, it's a great life. You know, we have good schools and my kids go to school and have a great wife and, and, you know, from the surface, definitely everything's going well. Being an entrepreneur and an entrepreneurial businesses, there's a lot of ups and downs, you know, one month, it could be tons of money. The next month can be a little bit of money. Um, so there's always challenges but all in all I would say that the just the core belief of I'm doing something for a higher power is still there. Mm-hmm. I mean I I help basically motivate and teach creators how to spread their messages and that's what keeps me going and that's kind of just what I believe in and and I think it's it's cool. It's there's obviously moments in my life to where Things are really hard. There's always loss. Everyone, you know, has family members that die and things. There's always crazy stuff that happens, but, um,
1: I don't it's know. A, sometimes I feel like we look around us yeah, and it appears that everyone else is kind of like prancing through life absolutely, and, and everything is just going great for them. But if we're being honest with ourselves, everyone is, has gone or is going through something that's just painful and just yeah. so difficult in, in, in their lives. And I think realizing that gives us so much more context and empathy in how we interact with people and, and just knowing that, that life is
0: hard. Life is hard. And you know, the most successful people I know, they, they're struggling <laughs> You know, if, if the money's not the issue, there's going to be something else that creeps in. It could be marriage. It could be uh, a brother or it could be something. Right. So I would, I would just caution people to judge anyone else ever for any reason, you know, cause you mm-hmm. don't know where, where their Valley is. One cool thing that, that I was really proud of is, and I know this sounds weird to be proud of is after, you know, I was 17, I started going to college. I was actually really bad at school. I failed out of college seven different times, and then I ended up many, many, many years later graduating with a three point five GPA. And then I I actually start. I teach uh, at SMU. I teach college uh, courses, and um, I just think like that is why my life is awesome now because I can just bend. You know, I can just take. You know, I can just take how hard life is and just figure out how to make it better, Mm -hmm. you know, just deal with it.
1: I love it. Thank you for sharing a a window into your background. Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk specifically about your expertise in the world of video marketing, right? Would you say that you work more on the influencer side of the market or would you work more on uh i guess we could call it the the brand side of the market the companies who are trying to use video to to sell their goods right
0: in the last decade it's really been a pretty big split right now we work with a lot of influencers but i've worked with a lot of brands so i'd say it's a pretty even split okay
1: so so let's talk on let's talk on the brand side of it Mm -hmm. that that's the world that we live in right yeah and at harman brothers um, what trends are you uh, are you noticing in in that part of the industry? So just in general and brands like
0: what's working good on mm-hmm. video. Yep. Um, I would say and, and people like you and I have known this for a long time, but I think brands are really starting to embrace their own voice. Um, you know, back like six, seven years ago when I would do YouTube strategies for a big beauty company, for example, they'd be like, Why is this fourteen year old have a billion views and we have like a hundred thousand <laughs> and we're like a billion dollar company and that's just a kid in Idaho, you yeah. know? And I'm like, Well, because you don't have a face, you don't have a soul, you don't have a personality, and people and thirteen year old girls can't relate to you.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: I would say that um for me, for, you know, the success that my customers have had beyond just answering questions people are having. And I think honestly, like that conversation is getting still like, so the, the first place I'd always have brands go to is answer questions people are asking with or without you. So whether you have content that answers the questions or not, I think that's the safest and fastest way to get into video for brands and businesses. Beyond that, I think the, the next like 2020 version of video marketing should be having a soul like actually having a heartbeat on the world and, and actually having a message. So many brands, especially, you know, billion dollar type companies don't want to go left or right or center. They just Mm want to be everything to everyone. Mm -hmm. And I think the companies that will win the most moving forward will be brands that embrace ideologies can relate to someone can put a face on the camera and actually show emotion and not just be robots. So, (laughs) you know, I, and I think obviously the Harmon brothers has always done a good job with emotional engagement. You guys have a great formula, you know, what's the problem, you know, what's the, the solution, all Mm the, all the ways you guys break it all down. It's really, really brilliant, but it's all based on emotion. Every single one of the things you guys do in your commercials is based on emotion.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It's, um, it's interesting because so oftentimes I'll I'll use the example of Nike and Under Armour. Mm -hmm. I've seen print ads from Nike that just have like a generic runner, just, you know, some runner running in this beautiful scenery and then it has the Nike check and, and just do it right. And, and you could look at that and say, Hey, just remove that Nike logo and swap the shoes out for some Adidas shoes and throw in the Adidas logo, and it still
0: works. Yeah, it's all the same philosophy, basically. Yeah,
1: yeah, and um, and and like that type of advertising, I imagine. Yeah, probably Nike and Adidas can get away with some of that because they're such big and well-known yeah. brands. But for all the rest of us, that's just too generic, too impersonal, and it's not what's going to to put our message into the minds and memories of people. And so you contrast that example with when Nike puts LeBron on an ad or Under Armour puts Steph Curry on an ad, you can no longer swap those logos out because now there is a face, a personality right. behind the brand. Absolutely. And and so I I 100% agree with you that every brand needs to be thinking about um brand characters, um, brand voice, uh, brand messaging in such a way that like you said, there's soul behind it there. Yeah. There's, there's meaning there.
0: Cause I mean, you know, when we were kids, TV was just sold to us. Like we, we didn't have a choice now, you know, my children, they don't even turn on their 60 inch television. They are watching YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat. Uh, My oldest Snapchat, not my youngest. And the reason is there's characters and personality behind what they're watching. Mm -hmm. They care about that. And I just think that fundamentally, most businesses start with this scenario. We got to make a video or we have to make a video to make money. That's kind of like the two things they like start with. And, you know, I would caution all businesses start when they have to make a video is this. How can we actually make our customers' lives better or enhanced or more entertained? And if you start from that question where you actually care enough about your customers to improve their lives or make them have better entertainment, if you start from that question, which most companies never will, um, then everything else changes from timelines to, you know, To reports, to everything, you can still quantify and have positive ROI with that message. But I think the fundamental, what is a video for that businesses ask is wrong. I think like they have the wrong mentality. Most of the time I've ever done consulting for brands.
1: Yeah. so So the tendency is to think very much about immediate ROI. Yeah. You know, I just want to drive those those immediate sales. And oftentimes that comes at the expense of saying, well, are we providing value? Are we are we making it so that our brand is is providing that value for the long term? And and that's a hard that's a hard transition in terms of mindset for brands to make sometimes.
0: It's it really is. And I think it's ultimately I think that fracturing is really going to happen because people that made awesome gold shoes in their, their basement are going to have a platform and a message and, and, and passion and they're going to go sell those on Kickstarter and get $10,000. And then all of a sudden a big company is going to have to buy them because they can't compete. So I think the fracturing of, of humans of people with voices and messages are going to keep on disrupting these big companies. A speaker that we had earlier their his daughters uh, created an entire line of makeup and it's in all the major retail manufacturing, you know, places. And they started on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And how can a big corporate company that does makeup compete with that? How can they compete with someone that has 10 million subscribers?
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible how the market changes. It's pretty neat. So let so let's talk about the influencer side of things. Cool. So the, this is you know you could say we're we're now ten years into this quote unquote influencer movement. Yeah. Um. So so you've you've been around through pretty much that whole entire movement, and you've seen the marketplace evolve, you've seen how things have changed what what do you see today that's different from from kind of how it started out
0: I think that for me what what excites me most about influencers are macro or micro influencers the little guys that are very specifically focused when we were kids you know there was a joke about being an underwater basket weaver going to college mm-hmm. right now you actually need to be that underwater basket weaver you need to be so specific to exactly what you provide the world in entertainment or value. So, I would say that influencers, great. You know, Gary V. I wear his shoes. Awesome. Mm-hmm. But ninety nine percent of the people on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat, they will never be like influencers. But they may have sub one hundred thousand followers. Personally, when I do and have done a lot of brand deals with big companies. The, you know, 20 or 30 macro or micro influencers are always going to drive more sales and traffic than one big one.
1: I think I heard a stat along those lines and now I'm racking my brain for it. So I I better not call it a stat, but I heard, (laughs) I heard something along the lines of, um, that there's this kind of magical number where I think the number was 25,000, where your audience is increasingly stronger up to about 25,000 people. And then beyond that, it starts to get diminishing marginal returns where, um, you know, you can take a, a Kim Kardashian who has million, millions of followers, but the influence that she has over each one of those followers is much less than somebody with maybe 20,000 followers.
0: Absolutely. It's it's
1: an interesting phenomenon.
0: I worked with a YouTuber, like 20 or 30,000 subscribers that does teaches people how to make better lawn care businesses. This guy makes more money than me a year and, you know, (laughs) I'm pretty successful for what I do. And, um, it's just strange to me that both in general businesses and other YouTubers dismiss, um, small creators. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that small creators fractured in very specific niches, will dominate 2020.
1: Got it. Jeremy, do you have any any projects coming down the pipeline that you'd like to give a little sneak peek to our listeners?
0: You know, I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with the vidIQ uh, YouTube channel. When I started with vidIQ less than two years ago, we were about 100,000 subscribers and by end of the year, we should hit about a half a million. And it's just fun because the whole point is teaching creators how to be better creators. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that YouTube channel is a lot of fun, and uh, I'm sure a lot of your your subscribers have already used or, or tried to use VidIQ. So we appreciate you know all the support. We have over a million active users now, so it's it's That's a phenomenal. lot of fun. It's a lot of fun.
1: Now is that VidIQ channel the best place to follow you? It is. It is. Okay, Jeremy. We talked about brands a little bit, um, but now speaking specifically to kind of the influencer side of the market, if you could identify one tip for 2019 and beyond that our listeners could take and apply today, what would that one tip be?
0: I believe that the, the tip that is the most underutilized right now is going live. So many people are misinformed about going live. And I believe that especially on YouTube, when you go live, you can rank like we went live for a PewDiePie thing a few months ago and we ranked number three in the world for the word PewDiePie for like 17 days. Wow. And it was like, you know, like over, I mean, millions and millions of views. And I think the way the algorithm works is you actually get some preference in keywords and things like that. When you're live, your audience can see that you're always live. So There's a lot of interesting things around 24-hour live streams, so like music stations. There's a a YouTube channel called Chilled Cow, and what's really cool is they went from like almost no subscribers to millions and millions of subscribers just by having an online radio station. So if you can find a way to do live streaming a lot or go 24 hours a day, that's pretty amazing. Beyond that, just stop figuring out what you want to do in youtube figure out what your superpower is how you can really help or entertain others and from there make a schedule of content around that like just stop trying to figure out what it is and do the thing you're born to do
1: love it jeremy thank you for being a guest on the show it's um it's a pleasure to get to know you at a at a deeper level and and it's fun to see what you're accomplishing um We've got a little gift for you. It's a copy of our book, From Poop to Gold.
0: Thank you very much. I appreciate it.
1: Our, Our pleasure. And for our listeners, if you haven't already checked out our book, From Poop to Gold, it's a great insight into how we've built our creative culture at Harmon Brothers. So make sure to like, share, and subscribe, and we will see you on the next one.